Let's turn to God's Word today. I want to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. We're beginning a new series today, and it's entitled Passion for God in the Last Days. If you've been around Summit very long, you know that periodically I speak about passion because I believe that having a passion for God in these last days is very important. I had a friend years ago that he described his church as the frozen chosen. And then he went on to explain why. He he said, that's just the way we are. That's just our church culture. We're just quiet and reverent and reserved and and no one, you never hear a peep out of anybody. And uh, the Bible does teach there are times that we are quiet and still before the Lord and we listen for Him, but the Bible also teaches there are great times of, of shouting unto God in a voice of triumph. We see passion all through God's Word. And I am determined as, a, as your pastor that we will never be a dead church. Are you with me? I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want to be cold. I don't want to be dead. I want the fire of God burning in my life constantly. That when people see me, they will see God's fire. Amen? Well, today we've looked at, at Matthew 24 in the past. We've looked at it several times in the last couple of years because of all the things that are taking place. But I want us to look at it in a different way. And I'm just going to read uh, through verse 14 today. Let's begin with verse 1. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all things, all these things? Or, excuse me, I, I jumped up verse. Verse 1. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. What was going on there? Jesus had been rejected by the Pharisees, the religious leaders. Even though the the people of the community were welcoming him as the Messiah, the leadership was rejecting him. And I think the, the disciples were trying to encourage him, showing him all the buildings, and trying to encourage him to come as king right now to overthrow overthrow the Roman rule and to take his place as king. Verse 2 says, And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly I say to you, Not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be be thrown down. So Jesus is referring to the same buildings and he's telling them that they're all going to be destroyed. He's prophesying there. Verse 3 says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? So they're still wanting Jesus to tell them. And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now the disciples were not asking the same questions that we do today. We ask that same thing. But Jesus hadn't gone to Calvary yet. He hadn't died on the cross. He hadn't rose from the grave. They they didn't understand God's plan like we do today. But those questions, he still answers. Look at verse 4. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. 
and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. And many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Verse 12, And because lawlessness will abound, listen to this, the love of many will grow cold. The love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Father, just bless your word to our hearts today. Give us greater understanding and revelation, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So the disciples were asking Jesus some difficult questions and questions that we still desire to know today. And Jesus answers those questions. And the verse I want to focus on in this passage, we're going to look at all of them quickly, but the verse I want us to to focus on is verse 12. Look at verse 12 again. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. In the Greek, it means just that. It means to grow cold. And I want to ask you today as Christians, do you see other Christians, or maybe it's even yourself, that is growing cold in your faith? You're not quite as passionate as you once were. And so God's Word warns us, these things are going to happen, and because of these things, and he he, he lists lawlessness there, in the original language the word means to not, ha- not, not having knowledge or acknowledging the law. Not having knowledge of or acknowledging the law. So there's, it's lawlessness. We see lawlessness in our world today, amen? We saw a summer of lawlessness in our cities where the leadership in those cities was not willing to stop the destruction of buildings and even lives were lost and people were, were, uh, they were beaten and all the raped and all these things were taking place and no one was willing to stop it. Do you think we're living in the time of lawlessness? I would say so, yes. But I don't believe that in this passage Jesus is saying that it's only going to be because of lawlessness that people that that have had a a love for Him and a passion for Him, begin to grow cold in that passion. I want us to look again at verse 5. It says, For many will come in My name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. He's saying deception is going to be a key. People are going to be deceived from the truth. In the last few weeks, we talked a lot about the spirit of error and the spirit of truth and that God's Word is truth, that Jesus is the truth. And He gives us the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth to guide us and direct us. But in the last days, we have to be on guard that we're not being deceived. How, do we be, how should we be on guard? 
By knowing God's Word. Because it's the truth. Amen? If it's counter to God's Word, it's not the truth. If you ever hear something coming from this pulpit that doesn't line up with Scripture, don't receive it because it is not the truth. And if I'm here in present, I will address it that it's not the truth. You with me? Jesus talks about deception again in verse 11. He says, Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. It's not just saying a handful of people are going to be deceived. There's going to be false prophets that are going to deceive many in the kingdom of God. And then verse 24, he again addresses it. He says, for false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So we see there again that Jesus is warning us. And church, I want to tell you right now, you do not have to be deceived. Amen? Are you with me? You don't have to be, but you need to be on guard. That's why Jesus was warning us and telling us these things. Now, deception is going on today. It's, it's turning people away from the Lord. We hear different things being said and different people saying different things. I think just a couple of years ago, there was someone that was actually uh, in my, see, I think it was Miami, but it was in Florida, definitely, and he had a church there, and he was proclaiming to be Jesus, the Messiah. And you'd think, well, who on earth would go to that church? You know, the guy would probably have his family there. But did you know he had hundreds of people there? He had hundreds of people in that church. Uh, Also, The historian Josephus writes and records that there were many people that were proclaiming to be the Messiah at the time of Jesus. And and even in my lifetime, I, I went back and looked at it, and in my lifetime there has been at least 10 different people that have proclaimed to be the Messiah. It's amazing. Others have come and saying, well, I have a new message. God's given me a a fresh insight, a new message. And if it differs from Scripture, church, it's not of God. Amen? Now, Jesus teaches us how to know doctrine and not be deceived. He tells us, listen to this, in John chapter 7, verse 17, if anyone wills to do his will, He shall know concerning the doctrine. Isn't that powerful? Whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. Now Jesus was talking to those that doubted him. And he's telling us how to know if the message is of God. And he says, first of all, you have to engage your will and say, with all your heart, I'm going to do God's will. I surrender all that I am to the Lord. I want to know His will and live for Him and do His will. And when we make that decision to live that way, God is going to enable us to know the truth. Amen? That's what He says right there. What a a powerful promise that is. So church, you don't have to doubt whether you can understand if something is truth or something is deception if you have engaged your heart your will and said God with all my heart I want to know your will I want to know your word I want to know your truth and I want to live it out in my life look at verse 6 
And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. Now we've, we've all heard this before. But I want to give you a fresh little update on, on what's taking place. At any given time in our world, there are at least 15 different wars taking place or armed, uh, armed conflicts taking place. And I, yesterday I spent a few minutes and I went and I researched where are there armed conflicts taking place. It can be civil wars, it can be uh, like the cartel in Mexico fighting against the country for, for power and to, to spread their drugs and to take over. It can be nation against nation. But listen to this, this is what I discovered. Today there, there are conflict, armed conflicts or all-out wars or civil wars taking place in all these countries. Afghanistan, the East China Sea, the South China Sea, Iran, Libya, Yemen, North Korea, Syria, Turkey, Iraq, Mexico, Pakistan, Lebanon, Ukraine, Egypt, Israel and Palestine. Nigeria, Venezuela, Central African Republic, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Myanmar, Sudan, uh, Malay, and Somalia. That's 25 nations in the world today. We don't ever hear about it in the news. We're isolated from it. And, and, and thank God that we have peace in our nation. But church, we need to understand there are brothers and sisters in Christ all in the countries where these conflicts are taking place. We need to pray for them. We need to support them, care about them. Amen? And these are the type of things that people are enduring during right now. And they need for us to stand with them. Now I want us to notice that Jesus tells us not to be alarmed. He tells there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, pestilence, famines, all these things. But don't be alarmed. He says in John chapter 10 verse 29, My Father who has, who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Amen. We're living in God's power, in His might. He has control. He has us in His hand. And so we don't have to worry. We don't have to cower we we just continue to trust in god now look at verse 8 all these are the beginning of sorrows now the term here means labor pains it means there's a transformation from one age into another age and the picture there is is a of a woman giving birth labor pains and what it is saying is there's going to be pain and difficulty in this age. But there's going, it's going to birth into a new age that is filled with joy. Are you with me? Filled with joy. Just like Jasper. Those last few weeks she was moaning and groaning and complaining. She was ready for that baby to arrive. But once the baby arrived, she, she was holding the baby, and all the difficulty, all that fades away, and the baby brings such great joy. And that's the picture that God gives us here. Now look at verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation 
and kill you. Or verse 8. All these things are the beginning of sorrows, the nine. They will, they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Persecution. There's going to be persecution. But church, I want us to see in this passage something else. The persecution that's taking place in the world today, we are experiencing a very small amount of persecution in our nation. There are those that, that will say things on TV or in, involved in politics or um, in other areas that they will persecute the Christians. They'll say something negative and, and it's the Christians' fault. or the, it's, it's those Christians that believe in the, this or that, the Bible and God and guns or whatever. But they, they, they are persecuting us to a little extent. But listen to this. We're experiencing nothing compared to what 340 million Christians are experiencing around the world today. There's 340 million Christians in countries where there is a high level of persecution. Last year, 4,761 Christians were murdered for their faith. 4,488 churches were attacked, many of them totally destroyed. 4,277 believers were imprisoned without a trial simply because they proclaimed Jesus Christ as Lord. But church, what I want us to see is that's not all the story. Yes, there's persecution. Yes, we're going to experience it in this nation. Just uh, yesterday I was talking with Jasper's father who came into town to see the baby. He's from Canada. And he was telling me about a pastor that was arrested in Canada because he continued to have services through COVID. And they were telling them that they could not meet at all. And he stood up against that. And he, he welcomed the people, and so they arrested him and placed him in jail. He also told me that now they have built a fence around that church with barbed wire and, and will not let the church open. And that's Canada. There's also another pastor in Canada who went through, uh, who was from Poland, and he suffered when the, Pol the, the communists were coming against Christianity in Poland, and now he is in Canada, and there were about five or six uh, Canadian police officers that came in to shut his church down. And he didn't back down. And he said, get out of my church. Get out of here. You have no authority here. And he began to, to basically tell them off. He said, you go get a warrant and come back. You don't have grounds to shut the church. And he kept, kept yelling at them and telling them to get out of his church. And finally they did. But church, I want to ask you, if that happened here, what would be your stance? What, what if police officers came in and said, we have no uh, legal right to, to assemble any longer? Would we stand up and say, like the Polish pastor did, 
and say, get out of our church? Or would we say, okay, we'll shut everything down. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that kind of fire, that kind of boldness, church. What, what is our answer going to be? In James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. If you're on fire for God, when you suffer persecution and trials, you're going to have a joy of the Lord that's greater. It doesn't mean that you're happy about the trials. It doesn't mean you're happy about persecution. But it means that you are on fire for God. His presence, His power, His glory is in your life. And you're not going to let the things in the world, the persecution, affect you. And you're going to still be passionate for God. Are you with me? Our faith is tested, and when it, our faith is tested, we grow spiritually. Where is the church exploding around the world? It's in these countries with the greatest persecution. Where they are murdering pastors or throwing them in prison for the rest of their life. That's where the Christians recognize how powerful a relationship with Jesus Christ is. And they begin to spread the gospel. No matter what, their lives don't matter. What matters is telling somebody about Jesus. Are you with me? Today we're experiencing persecution in politics, in college campuses. They're teaching against God and they're mocking those that believe in God in businesses. Many times Christians will be persecuted on the media. It's, it's here, church, and the, it's time to rise up and say, we're not going to give in to the enemy. We're going to have a passion for Jesus no matter what. Look at verse 10. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. This is one of the saddest verses in this passage, and I want you to, to see this. In the Greek language, the verse can speak of unbelievers being upset, hating Christian believers. But it can also be read and interpreted as Christians being offended with Christians and getting upset and hating one another. Church, we have got to guard ourselves against that. Are you with me? Because the enemy will come and he will try to offend you through someone who's a brother or sister in Christ. And they may not intend to offend you at all. Or maybe they do intend to offend you. But we need to guard ourselves and say, I'm not going to let offense take hold in my life. I'm going to be passionate for God. I'm going to pray for that person. I'm going to keep them lifted up in prayer that God would deal with them in that struggle, whatever it is. Are you with me? We can't let the enemy seep into the church in any way and take hold and cause division. Because he always tries to cause division. So Jesus was warning us. Look at verse 11. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. 
And because lawlessness may, will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Notice the word many. It says there's going to be many Christians that their love, their passion for Jesus is going to diminish because of the false prophets. In 1 Timothy, Paul tells Timothy this, very similar in, ver in chapter 4, verse 1. He says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So Paul takes it a next step. Not only is it there going to be Christians that are just going to become cold, lukewarm in their faith, but there will be Christians that are going to apostatize. They're going to turn away from their faith in Jesus Christ. We need to be there for one another, church. We need to encourage one another. We need to stand with one another. And when we see someone that appears, if they're becoming a little cold in their walk with God, we need to come and, and poke the embers. <laughs> Amen? I, I told Dr. Don and the other elders in our, in our church, I want accountability. I want you guys to know that you have the freedom to speak into my life. If you see that, that I am getting off target or if I'm getting weary and worn down and weak, I want you to come and, and, and pray with me and encourage me. I want you to make sure that I keep the fire burning in my heart and life. But that's not the end of Jesus' message in this passage. What I want you to see, now everybody turn to somebody and say, now we're getting to the good stuff. <laughs> this is going to be good. Look at verse 13. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. The word endures there in the Greek means to bear up under, to suffer under the persecution. Now when we read that, what do we think about? We think about, oh, woe is us. We're going to be bearing up under the persecution. But look at the next verse. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Church, that is a verse of victory. Are you with me? That is a verse of victory. I love that. Look at this. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. And then the end will come. Notice the Lord Jesus here is not going to return until the whole world has heard the gospel. The gospel is going to go to every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation. Now I want you to think about that. Why is this the good part? Because it tells me that God is still going to have a mighty army who is passionate about Him, who's passionate about missions, who's passionate about their neighbor coming to know Jesus, who's passionate about revival. Are you with me? You can't have the gospel spread to the whole world unless there's a core group of people that are on fire for Jesus. Amen. 
They're on fire for God. They're wanting everyone they know to hear about Jesus and what He's done for them. They want to support missions. They want to become missionaries or, or have go on a short-term missions trip. They're wanting to spread the gospel. They're passionate about Jesus. And they're on fire. This isn't going to happen, church, unless there's a group that's on fire for Jesus. They're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And it brings to question what is going to be our role? How are we going to respond? What is God going to do? Church, if we are on fire, just like in China where they're persecuted and the pastors are murdered. There's underground churches and it's spreading all over the nation. We don't even have good estimates of how large the church has become. Church, if we have just a spark of that fire, our church is going to be filled and overflowing with people. And I believe that's what God's calling us to. Listen, God's desire is for every one of us to be passionate. You will never read about a hero of faith in God's Word that is not passionate in their relationship with God. They spend time with the Lord. They spend time in prayer. They separate themselves and surrender all that they are to the Lord. And that's what makes them the great heroes of faith. Listen to some of these, these uh, verses in the Psalms. The Psalms were the, the hymn book in, in ancient times. And listen to what the, the choir of believers were singing. In Psalm 42, verse 1, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? In Psalm 63, verse 1, O God, you are my God. How many are not ashamed to say that? Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. Psalm 27 and 4. One thing I ask of the Lord. This is what I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Psalm 119, verse 148. My eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. All of these verses have to do with passion for the Lord, passion for His Word. Amen? And that's what He calls us to. The psalmist also expressed great grief over their sin and over the absence of the Lord. In Psalm 42 and verse 2 it says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? Church, we have to understand that God wants us to love what He loves and to hate what He hates. He, he's called us to say no to sin, not to compromise. One of the greatest problems in the, is going to be in these last days, compromise. You're going to hear 
It talks about preachers preaching, tickling the ears of people. Telling them what they want to hear. And, and we, we see that today. It happens. You can find it on TV. You can go to different churches. You can find that. But praise God, there are still churches like ours where we love the Word, where we stand for truth. We don't hate people that are caught up in sin. We pray for them. We want to tell them about Jesus. We want to bring them into the fold. Amen? But we don't compromise. We don't say that sin is not sin. It doesn't matter if the Supreme Court legislates it and say it's okay. If God's Word says it's sin, it's still sin. And somebody who's passionate for the Lord will desire to live a life of righteousness and holiness. Now I'm not saying that you're perfect. We're not going to be perfect until we go to be with Jesus. Because we have a fallen flesh. We're here in this fallen world. And church, the Bible says it's simple. If the things that we know to do good and we don't do them, it's sin. So how many of us read the word enough? How many of us pray enough? How many of us witness enough? Most of us would probably say, well, I don't. And God's word says that's sin. We're not perfect. But church, when we are on fire for God and open to Him and welcoming His Holy Spirit into our lives to fill us and to empower us, church, God will give us the ability to live for Him, to overcome sin. Amen? There's going to be a group of people that are passionate and the world's going to look at them and say, they're different. There's something different about them. They have a fire in their life. They, they, they love people. They love one another. And they're living what the Bible says. Passionate Christians strive to live that holy life. And they're grieved over sin. I want to ask you, when you sin, do you grieve over it? Does it really impact you? You know, when, when we sin, we should immediately grieve over it. Say, oh Lord, I messed up. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I don't want to do that. I don't want that to control my life. Lord, set me free. Lord, help me to live a life that's blameless in front of people. Amen. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16, the end of the verse says that the Lord says, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. That's what we desire. That's what we desire. Lord, I want you to write your law on my heart, on, in my mind, Lord, and not, that I have that desire, Lord, to live by them. So I want to end with this. How can we develop passion in our life? First of all, we need to take time to be with Jesus. Amen? It's that simple. I guarantee you, when you set aside time to meditate on God's Word, to allow Him to speak to you, and just pray and to seek Him and to welcome Him to speak into your life. You will love Jesus because you're getting to know Him more and more. Amen? The second thing, we fail, when we fail and commit sin, we need to address it immediately. In other words, don't compromise. Don't let 
sin, when you stumble and make a mistake and you realize that the Holy Spirit convicts you, then you respond to that conviction and say, Lord, forgive me for that. Cleanse me. Lord, help me not to do that. Lord, my heart, my will, I'm engaged. I want to live for you. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, it says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sins. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Aren't you thankful for that today? The blood of Jesus is greater, it's more powerful, it is stronger to cleanse you than any sin that you commit. Are you with me? How many are thankful for that today? Amen. I'm thankful for that today. His blood's greater and it cleanses us. Third thing and the final thing. Be totally surrendered to the Lord, trusting in Him, and ask Him for His passion in your life. Scripture says we have not because we ask not. One thing I have never been accused of is not being passionate as a pastor. I've been a pastor for 30 years and I have never been accused of not being passionate. I haven't. I've been accused of being a cheerleader. And God's people need a cheerleader. Tell me, let me tell you. Why? Because I spend time with Jesus. And my love for Him grows. My love for the Word grows. And when, when, when I have a, a thought that's not godly, I address it quickly. If I do something and, and offend somebody, I try to address that quickly. If I mess up, I say, Lord Jesus, help me. I know I'm not perfect, but I know I'm forgiven. And I know that God's power is greater than all my sin. And my prayer is, Lord, I want to be passionate for you. You've told us what's coming. I want to be prepared for it. And I don't want to be one of those that's just... Enduring it to make it through. I, I want to have such an ability to endure where when that persecution comes, I just lift it off. I'm enduring it because I know who's, who's, on the, who's on the throne, who's in control. Are you with me? Listen to what Jesus prayed in John 17 and we're about to close. This is Jesus' intercessory prayer for us. And He's talking to the Father and He says, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them 
and that I myself may be in them. That is such a powerful prayer. First of all, church, we should take Jesus' example and say, Lord, help me to make God known to others. But notice he prays there that the love the Father has for him would be in us. That is such a powerful verse. Jesus prayed that you would love God the Father the same way that God the Father loves Him. You say, wow. (laughs) There's no way I can do that. Let me tell you how you do that. By total surrender to the Father and asking Him that that divine love for Jesus would be given to you. It's not going to be where you know so much Scripture or you knock on so many doors and tell people about Jesus. Those things are great and wonderful. But that's not going to give you the love for Jesus that the Father can give you and that Jesus prayed that we would have. It's a divine love is only divinely imparted. Are you with me? So what do we do? We say, we say, we get real with God. We say, God, I surrender my life to you. Jesus prayed that I would love him just like you do, Father. And Lord, that is my prayer right now. Lord, help me to love Jesus. And if you're loving Jesus like the Father loved Jesus, you're not going to grow cold in the last days. Amen. And church, I believe with all my heart, we're going to be a church on fire in the last days. We're going to be a passionate church. And those that are lukewarm are going to think we're crazy. Those that have grown cold are going to write us off and say they're a bunch of nuts. But we're going to go forward. We're going to be part of the church of Jesus Christ in the last days that is taking the gospel to the world. Amen. We're going to support missionaries Lord, bless us. I pray, I appreciate everybody giving because we want to add missionaries in these last days. We want to send missionaries around the world. We want to take our church family on short-term mission trips around the world. We want to send Bibles. This week, I just bought three cases of paperback Bibles. Three cases. Why? Because I believe that God's going to bring people to Him. Amen. I believe that we're going to pass out every one of those Bibles. People are going to come with tears in their eyes. They're going to come to the altar and they're going to have a transformation when they meet Jesus. So I want to challenge you, church. Don't be lukewarm. Don't grow cold. But do what you need to do to be passionate in your walk with God. Don't be Worried about people mocking you or ridiculing you because you're at work and you're singing a Christian song or you're looking at your Bible during your break. Don't be afraid. Now, I know that some some businesses, they really do, are persecuting you. But you can still be the light. You can be the testimony of what God can do in a changed heart and life. Amen. Worship team, would you come? Let's stand together.
we have several prayer team members today, and I'm going to ask them if they would gather around the front and at the back of the auditorium. And we're going to, as the worship team begins to worship, if you don't have a prayer need, just begin to worship the Lord and begin to pray that prayer with me. Lord, I want to be passionate. I surrender my heart to You. I, I surrender my will to You. I want to do the things You've called me to do. I want to live for You. And Lord, I want the passion that the Father has for Jesus in my life. If you have any other need today, our prayer team is here and they would love to pray with you. If you've never made a commitment to Jesus, church, today's the day. Or if you need to make a recommitment to the Lord, maybe you have grown cold and you just say, Lord, I want to get back in church. I want to get back in the Word. I want to be passionate, Lord, for you again. Then find some, some of our prayer team members and pray with them today, would you? It may be a financial need. It may be some other a healing. You need a healing in your life. Whatever your need is, we want to pray with you today as the worship team leads us.